Welcome to the Freedom Founder. I'm your host, Zach Delger. I'm excited to have our guest, Jonathan Mueller, joining us today. I want to make a note. 97% of self-made entrepreneurs say they would never go back to a traditional employment. I'm going to have a person today that can speak to that and speak to the topic of getting through traditional W-2 employment and moving into his own company and also starting a second company. So welcome. Hey, Zach, it is so good to be here. Count me in that 97%. I cannot even begin to imagine going back to being a W-2. And in fact, we'll chat more about this, but like my entrepreneurial journey started like 14, 15 years ago with a nonprofit. And um, I got a taste there, went back to the big corporation and then um, said, hey, I know what my path is. It's all about being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I love it. I love that. I feel the same. So, but you, like you said, you weren't, you weren't always an entrepreneur. Now you're the CEO and co-founder of two companies, but let's, let's talk a little bit about that journey though. How you got started, where you came from to where today. Yeah. You know, it's funny, 25 years ago when, when I graduated college, I, I, I did what I dutifully thought I was supposed to do. I went off and became a management consulting for a co- or, or management consultant for a couple years in Chicago, then went to sell supply chain software. And uh, I'll tell you what, Zach, <laughs> very quickly, I realized um, I was not put on this earth to sell supply chain software. And, um, and, and I realized I, I I've described myself to this day as a recovering management consultant. Taught me amazing things, but I came into autism services and ABA therapy in a in a very non-traditional manner. Um, but worked for five years with a large national ABA provider. Um, uh, gosh, this was starting ten years ago. I've been in the field for over a decade, <clears throat> and um, you know had an opportunity actually that that ABA company went through a, a private equity transaction, which is fine. That stuff happens. Uh, two of the regional directors and I got laid off. This was October 2017. My first thought, Zach, I kid you not, I was like, I mean, it's an ego thing, right? Um, I had survived so many layoffs in Silicon Valley and in the consulting world and in in all walks of life up until that point in my career. Um, So not only was I thinking, wow, what did I do or not do that I could have done differently? That was gut-wrenching. Having to tell my parents, my wife, we had three young kids at the time. Um, But I, I very quickly stepped back and said, hang on a second, this is not about me. This is about my family. And more importantly, this is about what I want to accomplish on this right. earth. And so I actually, um, two of my co-founders, I had to said, who were also regional directors, got laid off with me, Dr. Mike Wright and, and Will Bainig. We said, let's go build the organization that we've always wanted to be a part of. Let's Absolutely. build an organization that cares about its team, first and foremost, that cares about clinical quality that recognizes there's a lot of bad ABA out there. Um, there's a lot of awesome ABA and let's take the components that make the, the, the most sense for us. Let's, let's think about ABA more holistically and other needs of families and from mental health support to sibling support to the ability to get a diagnosis and, and then help a family go through that, that grieving process that um, they tell us they have when, um, you know, uh, when they get a diagnosis of autism. So, so that was a phenomenal opportunity five years ago. And, um, you know, it's been a, we're, we're not a huge organization, about 170 uh, team members uh, across three states, Colorado, Denver, or Colorado, Arizona, Texas. Um, but uh, it's been a phenomenal learning journey. 
Um, and that led to starting Element RCM, which is a, a, mm-hmm. um, a billing and insurance partner to ABA providers because there's just a lot of compliance stuff that's happening in our field now. And we said we need um, uh, uh, um, billing partners for ABA companies to help yeah. those 7,000 ABA providers out there get it right. So that's a little bit about yeah. uh, my journey. I, I'd say I'm, I'm addicted to being uh, an entrepreneur. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, one thing I didn't even realize is that you were in supply chain. You know, maybe if you had stuck with it, we wouldn't have the issues that we're having today. Maybe not, right. but. <laughs> right. It's um, true. There's, I like it, it's funny, Zach. There's actually so much in common between supply chain issues that happen totally independent of healthcare and just all of the hundreds, not not hundreds, thousands of things that have to go right to make sure you've got a you know a kiddo you're ready to serve, you've got a team yeah. member there um, who's well trained and well supported, ready to serve them. So so true. Yeah, so that transfer of those skills into just a new new area of, of work and basically what is a different field, but at the same time you can still take from what you know and learned and apply it to what you're doing now. Yeah. No, that's and in that process, you mentioned that you've had to it and you've had to make some adjustments. You were seeing some things on the horizon. And so you looked at what you could do, not only for your own company, but also for others and starting Element RCM. And you mentioned compliance and some of the issues there. And kind of talk about that a little bit. Tell me about what was happening or what you're seeing in the forecast. And that is an area that you started to focus in on. Yeah, Zach, you know, it's it, it's surprising, but in our experience, ABA providers collect on average 75% of the revenue um, of the, for the services they deliver, which is nuts. Think about that. In, in what other <laughs> business uh, you know, are, you, are you only collecting 75 cents on the dollar? And in ABA, we are providing life-changing services, literally life-changing services to kiddos and, and families living with right. autism. And so, um, so, so that was one, um, uh, one challenge that, that we saw out there. Another challenge, you know, I'm a big game of Thrones fan. Um, but you know, this idea that winter is coming, winter is coming for the ABA field. And I don't want to be a pessimist. Um, I want to be a realist. And I think this is a really important message. And that is that we have gotten funding as a field very recently, only within the last decade or so has Medicaid and commercial uh, insurance companies started paying for services, which means for the 7,000 ABA providers out there, many ABA providers just don't know the compliance regime and the set of things that have to happen in revenue cycle and clinical services and in a whole variety of aspects of organizations that candidly the rest of the healthcare world has come to know and maybe not love, but at least right. accept and develop systems around. And so compliance becomes this almost potentially dirty word. It's like, oh, it's extra cost. And I tend to see it very differently. This is an investment that helps protect you and your team members and the clients you serve in the long run. And so knowing that this this stuff was happening, we said we need solutions that um, certainly solve those challenges, right? So yeah. for the 75 cents on the dollar, how do you put in the right upstream systems around prior authorization obtainment, contracting credentialing the right way, um, determining yep. insurance eligibility and verification, and then re-verification ongoing for your clients. How do you do a pre-billing claims drive? All this stuff, right? This already happens in the rest of healthcare. All that stuff that that needs to come yep. to um, to our field and to ABA providers. It's putting that in place, but it's more than that, Zach. I, I think at at my heart, I love being 
a teacher and sharing knowledge. And there's this, this expression. Um, actually, I, I first heard it from Dr. John Austin, whom I know you, uh, you and I both know in common, tremendous individual, but you know, he, yeah. he describes, um, you know, a long time ago, the saying was the best place to store food is in your friend's belly. And I think the analog to that now is the best place to store knowledge is in your friend's head. And that's my passion in life is not only yeah. helping ABA providers to, to solve for those things, those really hard and transigent issues, but also better equip them um, with an understanding of and um, ability to follow through on creating really strong compliance, revenue cycle, and other regimens to keep them on the up and up. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that that you're seeing an area that is on the horizon, as you mentioned, and it's coming in different waves with different states, sometimes with the state insurance that is out there, as well as the commercial insurance. And I, I think that is definitely a need. And I think it's great that you're working to fulfill that and help others that are, it's just not, not an area we get taught in school. So it's not an area that we're familiar with. You have to develop uh, that skill set or work with someone like yourself and uh, partner alongside of someone that can help bring that to the table. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Zach, I'll, I'll add one other, for instance, on, on what's happening mm -hmm. out there right now. You know, I, uh, I'm a huge Christmas fan, by the way, we start celebrating Christmas yep. in my family, like after, after Halloween. Um, <laughs> but there's also, there's movie came out a few years ago, um, called Krampus. I don't know if you've okay. seen it, but it's the evil Santa Claus. <laughs> and, um, uh, and so anyway, it's the same guys from severance, which by the way, great show. I just started watching that okay. same character. But um, we have, I feel our field has a Krampus moment coming, this evil Santa Claus, like when is this going to pop? And that moment um, is, um, is going to be a result of the Office of Inspector General doing audits across state Medicaid ABA programs yeah. and questionable billing and other practices. And those sure. audits were being done in 2022. In 2023, the report's going to come out. Um, and I'm happy yep. to put it here in the chat um, so listeners can see it. But this is going to be a similar moment to um, several years ago when TRICARE came out. If you remember the damning report that 70, something like 70% of kiddos who went through ABA, yep. um, uh, you know, we're not benefiting from it or something that that effect. Um, right. But this is why it's I I I, I want to be a light on the hill and make sure our field understands that this winter is coming. That Krampus is somewhere around the corner. But the great news is um, that there's um, with intention um, yeah. there are resources um, and lots out there to inoculate against these things. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to know, a lot to learn. I mean, not just in what you're doing. I mean, but also just that process of starting the business and able to get it up to where it is today. You'd go from, from of three people to 170 team members. Can you talk a little bit about that process of kind of that conversation with those three team members that had um, been laid off from the current or the prior position and then moving it from just that group to where it is today and also that that uh, that size and the growth over three states i mean that's something for someone who, who is just getting started that almost seems unfathomable like how would i operate out of not just where i live but in another state and location Can you talk a little bit more about that yeah you know it's funny i actually have very vivid memories of these conversations partly because you know i had much more time in my hands and so one of my co-founders who's in will Beinig, who's in uh 
uh, in the Denver area, we would go on mountain bike rides. <laughs> it's like beautiful fall colors. And we're like, Hey, let's yep. go get out after it. And, um, you know, what we, um, what we talked a heck of a lot about was actually not the potential organization, but we did a lot of reflection on, you know, the last five, six years, he and I had worked together at the, this large yeah. national provider. Um, and yeah. we just said, Hey, what were the things that were, were going really well? And then what were the things that, that we think, um, could be changed to, to best serve families, to best create a culture of, um, um, professional development, training, high quality supervision, support of team career pathing for team members. And so it was a lot of that reflection that very naturally we kind of looked at each other in the eyes on one break. We were on the, uh, the apex trail in, in golden and coming down this, this, this phenomenal little run. And we had stopped to take a break. We looked at each other. We're like, you know, um, uh, this is something that we need. We would be, um, remiss not to try to explore this. Um, and, uh, he had been having some conversations with Dr. Mike. And so the three of us looped in and we just all had this really strong conviction for, um, the kinds of services, um, uh, more inclusive services of, of a range yep. of different, um, disciplines and, uh, therapy disciplines and of just building a, a great cultured organization. We said, let's do it. That's great. Had, had one of you operated a business yourselves before? Yeah. So, you know, I had started a nonprofit, um, in the okay. Reno Lake Tahoe area around outdoor education, yep. um, grew that over about five, six years. That was 2006 to 2012, actually immediately before I got into the ABA field. Um, so, um, so a little bit of understanding of that. And then each of the three of us, um, owned the PNL, um, across several of our regions. That is, we were directly responsible okay. for our team member satisfaction, <laughs> um, yep. our financial performance, you know, clinical quality, everything else. And, yep. um, and, uh, so, um, there is that experience, but I'll tell you what, you know, what I've learned Zach in entrepreneurship, as you learn a little bit more, it opens up a door to so much more that I realized I did not know. It's like this never right. ending <laughs> process or experience, but that was okay. I think, you know, the, what we, the, the approach we took very early on was, look, we, we can't, we literally cannot have all the answers at the get-go as much as we want to put it into our business yep. plan and this great like pitch deck we showed and um you know to get feedback from friends and others like we can't solve all that what can we do we can create yep. an organizational learning mindset that seeks to constantly learn from where we failed um and do things differently um and where we succeeded in fact my co-founder will and i we've had a, a weekly meeting for the last five plus years called our weekly hypothesis check and the explicit goal is what are the hypotheses we had and do, did those bear out or not, right? And double down on the things that went well and get rid of the stuff or, or, or uh, retool the stuff that hasn't gone well. And I, I don't know if this is a badge of honor, but we're at over 300 pages of notes on a Google Doc wow. for those five yeah. years. It sounds like uh, eventually you can put, put that together and summarize the, the, book, the, uh, the book on the journey and the process. <laughs> You've got the document. It's all recorded. <laughs> Maybe so. You know, Zach, there's a great book out there by uh, Scott Belsky, who's, I think he's chief okay. product officer at at, uh, at Adobe, and he had he had his own startup. But the book is called yep. The Mess in the Middle. And, and, you know, there's a lot of glamorizing of entrepreneurship. And look, I mean, I'm, I'm the most passionate entrepreneur there is out there. Um, and I love entrepreneurship. But what people don't talk about, people talk about beginnings and endings. They don't talk yeah. about the messy middle 
and just how hard it is day to day grinding out and trying to create an organization of value that's living up to its mission and that can grow and, and better serve its mission and and clients and team members in the future. Um, so that that that's been uh, a little bit of my uh, my guide along the way. But yeah. <laughs> I'll have to create. Maybe we'll turn those three hundred pages at some point into uh, into something else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's great to be able to to learn from those that have come before. And and like you said, is that there is that point at which you know you've gotten it started. You're not adding. But you're working through the process in the middle and to be able to continue to figure that as you go and and i really think that your process you're showing walking that out you know you mentioned in a comment to me that you've had satisfaction service that have continued to improve and continue to be positive and that's the culture and environment you're trying to create i think it's, it's just really impressed me to watch your journey and to, to hear from you and what you're doing and to see that be out. So I would love to continue this conversation. I think that we're gonna to have to come back and revisit it at some point in the future. But if we did have anybody who would like to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Yep, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can search for me, Jonathan okay. Mueller. There, um, you could shoot me an email uh, anytime, Jonathan J O N A T H A N at elementrcm.ai, uh, and I am always available. And um, I, like I said, I love to give out um, knowledge as freely and widely as I possibly can. So any and all questions are welcome. Okay. That sounds great. I appreciate that. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask this one last question I mentioned that I would ask. It's my million dollar question today. So if you were given $1 million to invest in your business, how would you use those funds? Just kind of big picture. Yep. Okay. So two things, I'm going to cheat on you, Zach. I'm going to say two things, maybe half a million for each. One, I would create an open source openly available knowledge center of compliance specific to ABA yep. to make sure our field um, had all the info it needed around every every aspect of compliance that you know we're going to be expected to uh, to operate under um, I love that. Uh, since we're in medical necessity. The second part of it is going to speak to the, you know, I, we have a supply demand imbalance of providers. Um, that is that is that is no secret, and I, I don't know that we're just going to be able to churn out enough as a country as a field to do that. And so. There's, there are examples in other medical professions um, in which um, countries, other countries who have English speaking um, uh, language and training programs and access to, um, um, you know, to, to a workforce who wants to work. Um, I would love to figure out a way and probably take some lobbying through Congress because our whole immigration yeah. system needs to be reformed, but, um, but find a way to get those highly trained people um, over to, yeah. uh, to the US and serving kids with autism. I love it. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. And I don't mind that you kind of cheated and looked at the bigger picture, not just within your own organization, but beyond. So I love that about you. You know, you're just a giving individual. So, um, and again, if anyone does have a desire, reach out to Jonathan, Jonathan at elementrcm.ai. Got that correct? Nailed it. All right. Good deal. All right. And if anyone out there is a burgeoning entrepreneur or you're a successful entrepreneur in your field, we want to hear from you as well. So you can read me at Zach at thefreedomfair.com. So thank you again, Jonathan. Appreciate the time to speak with you today.
Zach, it's been a pleasure, brother. Thank you.